Hello and welcome to the On The Hunt podcast. I'm Steve Ryder and I'm joined by Ryan and Tom to have a look at the brilliant weekend of action. That comes from Newmarket, Ascot, Redcar, but the place to start is France and we'll start off in the Arc. Uh, group one over a mile and a half in a race that looks more open without obviously the presence of Bayed. Um, it looks an open renewal. We've got Luxembourg heading the market four to one, Alpinista sixes, Toccato Tasso sixes, title holder sevens, Vedani 11s, Westover 11s, and it's 14 to 1 bar. Tom, you can make a case for a fair few of these, but who do you like? Yeah, first thing I'd like to say is it's good to see that it's not just the British clerks of the course that are absolutely shite. I've no idea what they were thinking watering when there was this much rain forecast, but you've got fairly soft ground already on Wednesday night. You've still got another couple of days of rain to come, so you, you probably want to be looking at the mudlarks, really, don't you? I mean, Torquasa Tasso, he's the obvious starting point, uh, starting point, sorry, but God, he's an awful price, isn't he? Like, you, you look at his Arquin last year, that's about five pounds better than anything else that he's shown previously, and that was probably his King George run, and it, even that was probably about five pounds better than all the rest of his form, so. I mean, essentially, you're looking at what is he's like six to one, five to one generally, isn't he? Based on winning it last year when he was an 80 to one shot. And that's just one piece of form that stands above the rest. Like, I know he, he's going to handle the ground. He's going to love the ground. But to me, it, that's just a shocking price. I, I can easily pass him aside this year. And with the ground, you'd have to rule out most of the Japanese horses, which is a real because I really like Dojuice if it was um, good ground. I, I love the way he travelled into it last time in the uh, in the trial, the pre-Niel, I think it was. And um, yeah, he just got caught in the mud that day, but obviously going to get caught in the mud again. Um, even like looking at those at the head of the market, like Alpinista, she's got bits and pieces on softish ground, but nothing like what it could turn out to be. And most of her best form, it, it's all on decent ground, like... Westover, he's probably going to handle it, but he's he's short enough, isn't he, on the back of an absolute shocker in the King George. For Danny, he, he looks a little bit too speedy to be at his best at this trip anyway, let alone on the ground. And bar maybe Ernesto, kind of the rest of them, they all have form questions to answer for all it could come down to who handles it best. But I, I just thought that Luxembourg was the right favourite for this, to be honest. Like He's got plenty of form on soft ground. It was really soft when he won the Vertem Futurity at Doncaster last year. It was relatively soft in the Irish Champions last time. Like you look at his page as well, um, he, he should handle the step up to a mile and a half, no problem. Um, he's had to really dig deep on his last two starts. He really kind of toughed it out last time in the Irish Champion Stakes, suggesting that, again, like on race course evidence, he looks like he'll get a mile and a half, no problem. So, yeah, I, I just think that he, he ticks a lot of the right boxes. For all he is, really obviously, is the favourite. I, I thought he was the right favourite. He could be one of those O'Brien kind of cool more horses that ends up getting a bit well-backed on the day. But I, I think there's no point backing anything now because... You're going to get final decks tomorrow, I think it is. And generally speaking, your anti-post prices on Wednesday on these full fields, I, I think will be a bit of a push. You'll you'll get fives on the day. I, I can see them going off something like threes, but I think hold fire, don't take the fours just yet, because you will get fives. And uh, I know there's a few scumbags out there who, who would back them each way, probably you, Steve, especially if you get five places as well but um from an each way point of view as well i will just give a shout out to mayor australis who um i'd say he's a lively 
each-way contender. I, like I say, I think a few firms will go five places after Dex and probably around about the same price he is now, around the 25s mark. Maybe a, a couple might go 33s, but I mean, he's a Group 1 winner over 10 furlongs. He's got a Group 2 win this season on fairly soft ground over the trip, mile and a half as well. So all of that should be absolutely no problem for him. He, he was a little bit disappointed, I'd say a little bit. He was fairly disappointed last time behind Alpinista, but if he can bounce back to some of his best form, he, he's easily kind of a, a 120. He's ran to about kind of around kind of 117 to 120 about two or three times in his career. That kind of form would put you bang there, especially if you handle on the ground this year. So, um, yeah, Luxembourg would be my first choice, wait for the day. And um, if you're looking for a bigger price to each way play, you can't go. You'll get worse bets than Australis. So, there you go. Couple for Tom then, Ryan, who for you? Yeah. Uh, the the Orcs always one of my favourite races of the year from a viewing perspective, but it's actually a race that I don't really have made bets in it. Um, like, genuinely, the best horses from Europe um, all running the race. The the three-year-olds come up against the older horses, and most horses are sort of aimed at it all season round. And, you know, you don't often get sort of many 16 to 20 runner group one races. But at the same time, it's not one of my favourite betting races. Um, I've, I've looked at a couple of big prices. I've, I've gone with two at a big price and then um, one at a short price. I know a lot of people are putting Ernesto up. Um, for the home team but I don't think he should be like double or nearly three times the price of Luxembourg like um, he's one from one at the trip he's by Frankel so he obviously should be sort of his optimum at this trip and on a soft ground so sort of the more it rains it it won't phase him at all Um, but then as well by liking Ernesto um, one at a a big big price I I sort of I've worn myself to over the last few days is Al-Hakim at 28 to 1 now he never he's never gone over this trip before, um, which would be a slight doubt. And he's by Sayuni out of a mare who who's who won over one mile three. So it's a little bit of a question mark whether he will get the trip or not. But in the French Derby, um, two runs back, he was so so eye catching. He was held up. He was three or four wide right up the back, and he's had absolutely loads to do. And he's actually stayed on sort of stronger than Ernesto down the outside. Picked him for a place. I think they finished fourth and fifth together. Um, and that that's, that run just sort of confirmed to me that he, you know he's going to handle a big field fine. He's not going to have any bother coming through horses like he did there. Um, he's fine on the ground as well. He's only had one run since when he ran in a in a Group Two at Dovell, um, the run after. But it was a really slow pace. I think it was five runner race, and he had to do a lot of the donkey work in front. It was a down back. Well, it was over mile two, and uh, yeah, he just grinded it out. Did what he had to do. I think he'll be seen to much, much better effect in a bigger field, a stronger pace. Um, I think if they go gung ho up front, um, similar to sort of how they did in the Prudy Jockey Club when he came from last to, to fifth to stay on strongly, I think um, I think he could be a, a big one that fills the frame. Um, and then my final one, um, just that I think the more rain, the better for last year's winner, Toko Tutaso, um, who reminds me a lot of sort of. Like Wildgeist, who who obviously placed and won the arc. Like he's one of them horses that gets beat at odds on throughout the season because he's either he's not fully fit or he doesn't get the required sort of race that he needs. Like he's another one. He wants a big field. He wants soft ground. He wants him to go a good, a really, really good clip up front, and then he can just pick them off like he did last year. Obviously. Um, he's not as under the radar as he was last year, um, but we all know that sort of the arc has been his 
aim ev- every single race. Like even when he came over, even he was German preps when he was a short price, you know, they, they were all saying, yeah, it's just stepping stones towards the arc. So he's one who has just been aimed at it all season round and the ground's coming in his favour again. So um, I think it'd be sort of silly to dismiss him to, to do the double because um, the arc does seem to be, and it can throw up them types of horses that, like say, like wild guys, that just seem to ju- enjoy these conditions. Bit of a slog over one mile four on soft or heavy ground. So, yeah, those are the, the ones for me. I think Torquoto Tasso would be the, the main one. But then um, Al Hakim at 28 to 1 and Onesto, you can get 14 still, um, but generally around 10 to 1. Yeah, I'll just throw another one in. I quite like Vidani for this, to be honest. Um, it needed his reappearance, a standard kind of French reappearance, um, and then won three in a row this season, obviously. French Derby won by five lengths and then won the Coral Eclipse at Sandown in a really good race. Like, um, It was as if they used the Irish Champion Stakes as a prep race, really. Like, Had a 70-day break, um, was kind of ridden quite cold. Um, probably got, I don't think it's bad to say, the worst ride from the top three that day. Um, Christophe Sumion kind of had to cut on the inside of, of the pacemaker that day and just never really got in the same position as Ryan Moore did on Luxembourg, really. Um, on his running style, uh, this crack at a mile and a half should kind of be to his liking. I know a few people have kind of said in the build-up to this, it's bred to be better over a mile and two. But if you look at how he stayed on the Coral Eclipse and in the Irish Champion Stakes, the mile and a half trip shouldn't be an issue, albeit obviously the softer the ground, the less enthusiastic I would be around it. Um, there aren't many jockeys, obviously, better than Christoph Sumion to ride in an arc um and yeah i thought kind of around sort of 11 to 1 um in a place but you'll probably get double figures on the day fairly fairly easily i thought for was was probably up there with one of the most talented horses in it it's just whether that arc test of a mile and a half on softer ground would be to his liking but yeah a double figure price i'm more than happy to to play him um we then concentrate on one other race in france obviously we'll touch or well, the lads will touch on them, um, any of the other races in anything else at the end. But the foray looks kind of the the other race that's looks a really good field this year, looks a really competitive race. Um, I found this quite difficult because I could give fairly strong reasoning for the top four in the market, really. Um, so obviously group one, seven furlongs, the likes of Kinross, Homeless Songs, Tenebrism, Sacred towards the head of the market. Uh, Rye, who do you like in this? Yeah, um, last year, I think Ken Ross was my nap on the podcast for the Forry. Um, but he's a much, much shorter price this year. He's all his favourite this year. And like as much as I love the horse, like I followed him for a long, long time. And I, it's quite funny because I've always thought he was a, a group one horse when he was sort of knocking on the door. Um, but going through his form, like obviously he's a seven feeling specialist. He handles soft ground fine. Um, he's proven in this race so he's got all the ticks but when you do go through his form like last year he was fourth in the race and it was arguably a better renewal because space blues and pearls galore were sort of grade one horses already that were sort of already proven and um, now sort of ken ross is the proven one in this year's renewal but if you do go back through his form like you look through ken ross in, in group one races his, his forms five six eight five four nine eight so he's not from seven in group ones and not from seven placed in group ones and then you look at his form um, outside of group one races and it's one four one six six 
and both sixes were in Maidan. Um, so if you just look at his form in Europe in Group One, outside of Group One companies, six from nine. So it's a fantastic strike rate outside of Group One company, uh, and he's eight from nine, finishing in top three. So he's so so consistent, but he's just not yet done it in, in Group One company. And for that, like if he was six to one. Not that it would be, but if he was like six to one or eight to one, you'd go, yeah, he's a fantastic bet because, um, you know, he likes off ground. It's, it's his perfect trip. Um, but just because of that sort of start uh, and with the fact that he's two to one now, uh, I think I can look elsewhere. Um, there's two at double figure prices I'd give a shout out. One sort of more strongly than the other. The first one is um, Sheila Lavery's new energy at 12 to one. Now, the negative that he is seven pounds worse off with Kinross and did get beat sort of half a length, three quarters of a length by him at Doncaster. But Kinross was in peak fitness. He ran two weeks before, well, he won two weeks before, and he was having like his seventh run, uh, sixth or seventh run um, sort of the summer. So he was sort of in peak fitness, whereas New Energy, um, he had two months off before running at Doncaster race as a stepping stone for this. So that seven pounds can probably be negotiated by the fact that Kinross was fully fit and New Energy wasn't. Um, you go back through New Energy's form, obviously he was second in the Irish Guineas, held up. I know it wasn't a vintage renewal this year, um, and Native Trail just sort of did what he had to do to win, but New Energy was sort of held up last, had to make loads of ground up quick to sort of chase the leading pack and then just didn't stay the mile. It was the same in the St. James's Palace where it was a bit of a messy race. He was only beating three lengths, but again, just didn't stay the mile. Um, a couple of runs since he's been held up and, and things just haven't gone his way. But uh, last time out, it was sort of much, much better back back to form. Um, when second to Kim Ross, again, held up, stayed on really strongly. Um, and I just think the race could play to his strengths. So at 12 to 1, I do like new energy. Um, he, he'll handle soft, softer, heavy ground, absolutely fine as well. And then the one I'd just give a little squeak to, uh, just at a massive price, maybe on the day well he's available at 25 and 33s now but he might be bigger on the day uh, and i might butcher the pronunciation but it's the japanese seven-year-old um Enchiden. um he actually finished one place ahead of ken ross in last year's renewal he finished third um at 50 to one when ken ross was fourth he's a prominent racer handles heavy ground uh it was heavy last year he's prominent he sort of led a furlong out and then didn't really stay but he but um he stayed over a mile and seven furlongs fine in Japan. If you, if you go back through his form this year, it looks like he's just been saved for this again. Like he's he's ran twice um, in the Middle East. He got stuffed in a Group One in the Saudi Cup meeting, stuffed in a Group One in the Alcross Sprint on the Maidan World Cup meeting. Went back to Japan and won a 15 runner listed race. Um, then had two and a half months off in preparation for this before having a sort of jog around in a group race. So he's another one that looks like he's just been completely safe for this. Handles heavy ground, was third in last year's renewal at a massive price. And he might be one that's just really, really sort of underrated on the day because if you go through his form figures, um, he's been stuffed in a couple of his last races, but they were over at Maidan in Saudi. And uh, yeah, he was third in the race last year at a massive price. So and and for Japan at uh, 25, 33 to 1. But the main one would be New Energy at 12 to 1 for Sheila Lavery. Fair enough. You're looking at ones at a bit of a bigger price. I, I thought the three towards the top of the market would would kind of dominate this, really. Obviously, you've touched on Kin Ross, seven furlong specialist, really. Frankie kind of blamed himself for being too far back in this last year and kind of says he knows him a bit better now and, and won't make that mistake again. He comes into the race in good form, won his last two. Um, he's kind of a worthy favourite for me. Homeless songs, 
obviously has the option of the Sun Chariot as well, but I imagine they'll go for the softer ground over seven furlongs instead. Um, she should be shooted, suited by the, the drop-in trip. Fantastic turn of foot. Obviously, she showed in the Irish 1000 guineas. Um, so, yeah, she, she'd kind of be, be worthy of respect. And then Tenebrism, I think this race would suit her better than the Sun Chariot as well. She's she's shown good form in France twice this season. Um, one of those was obviously a, a win over seven furlongs. She'd probably appreciate the drop back down to this trip as well. So, yeah, top three in the market. I found it quite difficult to split, to be honest. Um, I'd probably, because she's a bigger price, would go for Tenebrism. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't be in a rush to back anything. But it's, it's a really good race this year. Uh, Tom, your thoughts on the foray? Yeah, a, a bit like Rye. I've I've long been a Kinross admirer as well. Maybe not to the depths that Rye does. But for, for I kind of share exactly the same feelings in the sense that Frawley has put it together it, two to one, five to two, whatever he is. It's a little bit short for a horse who seems to constantly come up short in Group One company. So I can avoid him. Um, Homeless songs. Uh, I, I was kind of having this conversation on Twitter about an hour ago, actually. Like for all that Dermot Weld has always said, she wants softer ground. Like throughout this season, that's why she's only run twice. To me, she the way that she ran last time, she looked like she fucking hated it. I, I thought she looked like she was running on treacle. And like all of her better runs, all of her previous runs were on kind of decent ground. Like even in the Irish Guineas, it was still like good, good to soft in places, wasn't it? So I, I don't think she wants soft ground. I, I think she maybe wants kind of better ground with a little bit of cut. Like I, I think it could be really soft come Sunday. And I think I, for me, I, I dare I say, it, I think Dermot Weld is wrong. So I can look past her as well. Like she might have just needed the run, and if that is the case, then she could easily win by like five lengths because she has got that lethal turn of foot. But I'd want to see have have a kind of a good run on proper soft ground before backing her at those kind of prices personally. So I ended up wandering on Malavatha and each way price. I just kind of watched the guineas back. I, I don't think she was really suited by the track in the guineas. She seemed to hit a lot of the ridges. I, I'm not. I've not got an excuse for her next start. She she was really, really disappointing um, after the guineas in a French Group Three. I can't remember the name of the race, but it was a seven furlong race uh, at Longchamp. But she bounced right back to form last time behind Saffron Beach in the Rothschild. I just don't think she was suited by the run of the race that day. To be honest, I thought she'd have preferred a stronger aim. Uh, stronger pace to aim at, which, um, like I say, obviously in a race like this, you're definitely going to get it. She's got kind of loads of pace, all things like considering she was a breezer horse. Um, she's won over six furlongs as a two-year-old. She was really unlucky in a Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies mile. Um, again, obviously, that's a fairly kind of speedy mile, isn't it? So I think uh, dropping back to a really strongly run seven furlongs on pretty soft ground. I think that's probably just going to be her cup of tea, and hopefully she can. Um, she's she's going to need to improve for it, admittedly. But at sixteen to one, with you, you're probably going to get four or maybe even five again places on the day. You, you don't mind chancing that they improve at that price, especially when you've got reasons to take the two in the mark, uh, two at the top of the market who take a good chunk of the market out. So. Yeah, Malavath each rate, 16 to 1, would be my play in the Predula Forer. OK, we'll just go uh, to Newmarket for one race before we go to the action at Ascot. Uh, the Sun Chariot Stakes, Group 1 over a mile, a race that Saffron Beach obviously aims to repeat her victory in it last year. Um, like I said, kind of when we just touched on the Forer, I'm assuming both Homeless Songs and Tenebrism go for that. 
Um, so I, I kind of think the obvious thing to do would be to back Saffron Beach to win and, and Prosper's Voyage each way, really. Um, I, I know they've supplemented Laurel for the race, but she seems very, very short at around sort of three, four to one for me. For a horse who's so inexperienced, having raced only twice in her career and uh, and on the face, well, it is truth, I suppose, that she's only won a, a novice race under a penalty. Like, she was impressive at Kempton. Um, but this is a whole different kettle of fish. Like, how she's a shorter price than Prosperous Voyage, who's finished second in a Phillies mile behind in Spiral over the course and distance, second in a 1,000 guineas over the course and distance, uh, and obviously won the Group 1 found mistakes over a mile on the July course last time. Like, I don't quite understand the, the price difference between the two of them. Um, yeah, I get the fact that she's trained by John Gosden and they've stumped up the money to supplement her, but, yeah, she seems awfully, awfully um, short in comparison to Prosperous Voyage. Saffron Beach is kind of, is, is the rock-solid one. Um, she doesn't run a bad race. William Buick is... One all three starts on her. She has brilliant new market form, just like Prosperous Voyage as well does. Um, so yeah, Saffron Beach kind of looks looks a worthy favourite around eleven to eight, and Prosperous Voyage I can't see out of the three, and you can back her at six to one. So I'd probably go that route and do that. But yeah, I, I personally just think that Laurel's a very very short price for a horse, albeit that has good connections and obviously know what they've got. Uh, Tom. Your thoughts on the Sun Chariot? Yeah, um, very similar to yourself. Like, I'm a huge fan of Laurel. Uh, I think she probably could be a Group One horse. She definitely has the ability to win one from what we've seen so far. Like a uh, debut run at Newmarket was absolutely excellent. Like everything about it, the time, the style, it was just fantastic. But four to one for a dual novice winner stepping into. I was going to say open, but it's it's Phillies Open Group One company on just the third start, having run in two novices. I, I couldn't be backing at four to one personally. So. Uh, it's not like it's a weak group one either. Like you've got Saffron, Bre- Saffron Beach heading the market and she's obviously a really, really good horse. Got loads of group one and group two kind of form to her name. So yeah, I, I just thought Saffron Beach's form was so much better than anything else's. Like she's improved a good few pounds in my book this season as well. Even um, even factoring in a win in this last yeah, when she won the uh, Duke of Cambridge under a penalty, she was really impressive, really impressive in the pre-Rothschild as well. She's probably going to be suited, I say probably going to be suited by the course, but looking at it, I mean, there's there's maybe one or two that might take a run out in front, like Oscula, for example, but I'm, I get the feeling that in a group one, like horses like Oscula, etc., they're probably not actually going to be running to kind of try and win as such. I think they'd rather get the, the group one black type. And if that means letting kind of if that means letting Saffron Beach get on with it and um and just kind of tracking her in second, hoping to get first run to run into the places, then I can see that's what they're gonna do personally. So I can see Saffron Beach getting a wrong way out in front as well, to be honest. So yeah, I thought she maybe just found the ground a little bit too soft at Leopard's time for a last time, but even still that's arguably kind of most of the remainder of the field have shown regularly. So I thought she was relatively bomb-proof here. I could see her going odds on on the day. And to me, the only one that can beat her is Laurel, but I, I wouldn't be backing her at four to one for Saffron Beach six to four. If you gave me like eight to one, I'd think about it. But um, at, at the current prices, Saffron Beach six to four is probably a bet for me, to be honest. Good, 
Uh, Rai, your thoughts on the Sun Chariot? Yeah, I was pretty much in full, full agreement with what Tom's just said. Um, like, obviously, Homo songs and Tenebrism are going France. Um, so it looks a bit, a bit like a three-runner race, I think. Like, I think only three three can win this. And one of them I'm just not a massive fan of, which is Prosperous Voyage. Like, yeah, she won the Falmouth, but it was a bit of a messy race where Inspiral didn't give a true running after backing up so quickly from Ascot. And then she, she's one mediocre in three other group ones um, during the season, sort of before and after the Falmouth. So I, I, I can rule her out. And like Tom, I just think you, you either go with the proven or you go with the, the potential. Um, but I think there's too big a gap here and the price isn't as big as it should be um i actually wrote down eight to one as well um, i said you know if, if she's around eight to one or ten to one laurel you, you can make a case for it that she's been really really impressive in two runs especially last time at, at kempton like tom would know more than me but sort of the the times in the sectionals that she was putting up they did a piece on her on, on racing tv and um off, off such a slow pace she had a wicked turn of foot and yeah i've no doubt she'll probably end up being very competitive in group one race in the future but at the moment she's got an official mark in 98 you know she's sort of 18 pounds officially off saffron beach i'm sure sort of at the weekend and, and thereafter they'll be a lot closer together but you've got a horse who's just so so consistent in saffron beach um, she's proven in bigger fields and smaller fields she can make the running she can sit behind like she's pretty bomb proof in terms of ground and, and trip um and, and what type of trip she gets so yeah, there's, there's not many holes you can poke Saffron Beach with. Um, and for, for that reason, I just think sort of like she's three to one in a place, Laurel, four to one biggest price. Like that, that's just too short. So Saffron Beach would be the one for me um, for all that I, I do really, really like Laurel as a horse. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, all of us can appreciate that Laurel is a top class prospect, but this just might come too too much too soon. Yeah, I think I think the other thing as well is backing up a week after that Kempton Norris run. Like if you've been given a month off maybe, you know, obviously they've supplemented for a reason. She she must have come out of the race well, but still to, to come out a week after that race at Kempton, it's just a little bit soon for a novice. Um like I think we saw Zoology do the do the similar at the weekend and I think that probably took the toll on him as well. Um, he, he, I've got no doubt he's a Group One horse as well, but just running back a week after his Yarmouth run, it, yeah, it's just a bit. It's difficult for these um, horses, especially coming from novice races. So, uh, yeah, I just think Saffron Beach is probably just going to be too good. Yeah, uh, we'll then head over to Ascot for the action over there. The 151 is the Ralph Stakes, a listed race over five furlongs. Some old favourites in this. Tom, who do you like? Yeah, and the one that I kind of like the most isn't necessarily a guaranteed runner. Um, I, I quite like Tis Marvellous, but I'll kind of make my case and then I'll explain whether he might run or not. But I mean, he was really disappointing last time, I thought. But if you look at the market, he, he just drifted. He doubled in price. Like he was fours out to eights before the up and then ran a bit of a shocker. But... I'd always kind of be willing to forgive a horse one run anyway, but the fact that the market knew that he was going to run that bad as well, I'd be more inclined to forgive it as well. But he actually did have a couple of excuses. Like the race really developed away from him. Like it all developed up the far side. 
and he was drawn I think it was um I can't remember whether it was really high or really low but whatever it was he was drawn like either one or two or kind of one or two in the high side whatever it would be um it was just yeah the, the race just completely develops away from him and looking at the way the race panned out as well he was ridden like fairly prominent on his side of the track and just look where Manakan and Mitt Barhi came from. They both came from kind of last and second last. Teresa Mendoza was there or thereabouts. But yeah, I, I just thought it was a race where it probably would have paid to kind of give them a more patient ride, should we say. I'm not, I'm not criticising the ride because it was kind of, the, the ground did seem a little bit dead up that stands rail at Newbury. But um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd happily write that off for a number of reasons. But he's also just much better ascot as well. So the return there is definitely going to suit him. He won this race last year after being beaten at Newbury, having won at Beverly the time before that, although obviously ran a little bit more promisingly at Newbury in defeat last year. But yeah, he's not jocked up yet, but I do think he's a likely runner. Like You look at all of all of the Clive Cox horses, they seem to be jocked up, but Adam Kirby's on uh, Diligent Harry in this race, but he's also on Diligent Harry in the uh, Bengo Stakes later on the card, which we'll cover. Obviously, He's not going to run both, but Diligent Harry ran in that same Newbury race last time, but he's more of a six furlong horse. So I think he'll probably kind of step back up to six furlongs. He ran a shocker as well. So I think he'll probably step up to six furlongs, which would mean that um, Adam Kirby would be free to ride. Tis marvellous in this. No, Paul Hannigan's rode him the last couple of times and he seems to be available, but for whatever reason, he's not jocked up. But um yeah, I, I can see um I can see Kirby switching over to Tis Marvellous once um once Diligent Harry's confirmed for the Bengo stick. So I'm hoping he's a runner. Obviously don't back him uh don't back him now if you're listening to this overnight. But um if, if he runs on the day, I think Tis Marvellous will be a fairly decent bet. Yeah, I'm in a com- complete agreement. Um, it won't come to anyone uh, that's a surprise to anyone that's obviously listened to this over the years. I, I love Tis Marvellous and I love Tis Marvellous over five furlongs at Ascot. Like, it's just his track and his, his trip. Um, like you said, around the jockey bookings, you, you wouldn't back him anti-post, but if he's declared for the for the race, he's, he's the obvious selection, really, isn't he? Beat Minzal, who's obviously boosted the form since and two-time winner of the race, Dakota Gold in it last year. So, form looks really strong um, and hasn't ran too badly so far this year. So, is marvellous if he's around the sort of seven to one mark if declared yeah that seems fairly solid for me at uh, right if you yeah i like uh the three-year-old uh, mannequin i think there's quite a few ways you can come into this race there's a lot of sort of more proven horses but with important form like um like diligent harry came from the dark they've got a few recent duck eggs next to the name kings kings lynn obviously a group two winner early in the season but ran sort of mediocre, but but well enough in a, in a pair of Group One races at Ascot, but he's not been seen since. And you'd imagine with him, they're using this as a stepping stone on, onto the champion sprint. Carries the four-pound penalty as well, so I, I can leave him alone. Um, but I like Manikan. He's, he's a sprinter, ripe in form at the moment. Like his last four races, he, he's won twice, and then the other two, he's been beaten le- half length or less, uh, and been rather unlucky in them races as well. He was really impressive uh, when he enlisted race at Doncaster two runs back and then last time out in the group three at Newbury. He was just a little unlucky as he had a, a wall of horses in front of him and just had to bide his time to get the gaps. I, th- I think the gap came sort of, it came late, but it came early enough that he still could have won the race. 
Um, but he, he just had to concede first run to Mitbar. He for sort of 50 yards or so and, and it just meant he just couldn't catch up to Mitbarhi but he stayed on well enough and there was sort of two heads between them um, but yeah he's an improving three-year-old the, the only sort of question I have with him is he just wouldn't want the ground too soft um, he's run well enough on good to soft before but that's that's the only time he's run with soft in the description so if it got really really soft I'd, I'd be less cool on him but if, as long as it's good to soft or better he'd be the one for me at seven to two. OK, we'll then move on to the 225. It's the Cumberland Lodge Stakes, Group 3 over a mile and a half, uh, where the market is currently headed by Hamish. Uh, Ryan, who do you like in this one? Yeah, it's an interesting one from an anti-post perspective here because uh, Godolphin haven't got theirs jocked up yet. Secret State is already declared with Will Buick on in Friday in a listed race over mile six, so he's definitely not running. Um, Kamari, the other Godolphin, Charlie Appleby horse, isn't jocked up yet. And they seem to have jocked up their other horses. Um, high definition looks a very unlikely non-runner. Like he's his four of his last five runs have been in, in Group One company, and they seem sort of intent on trying to nick a, a Group One with him. Um, so I don't think he's going to come down to to a Group Three level yet. Anyway, um, he just looks an unlikely runner. Um, so yeah, the two sort of seen movements in the market at the moment are the ones jocked up and, and with best recent form and that's uh, Cresty at 4-1 to one for the Meads and, and Hamish for William Haggis that's available at 6-4 um, and I do think it's between them um, like Cresty was really impressive last time out in Windsor in a listed race but it just wasn't the best race in the world and he ended up being the best of a bad bunch for all that he was really impressive um, I think Hamish is slight value at 6-4 to four. Um, he, I think he's easily got the best form sort of out of all of these like you go back a year ago um over this trip mile four he beat hookham um in the september stakes at kempton um he won over a mile five at chester earlier on in the season which is sort of sharp enough like he does stay further um and then obviously last time out in the irish st ledger he traveled like an absolute dream behind kiprios but you sort of always knew kiprios would do what he does and pull out more um despite being the one that was sort of ridden along more aggressively um he he just put um, Hamish away and stayed on strongly but Hamish was, was sort of a length and a half behind him but you go back and he was seven lengths clear of Search for a Song and, and Ross Carbrea who are decent enough fillies um, and and he's pulled a mile clear of them so yeah I just think his form sort of wild clear for all that he's got to give nine pounds to Crestor and, and six pounds to a couple of the others um, I do think he sort of easily got sort of group one form in him um, I don't mean only sort of slight doubt with him that he does seem to be a horse that's best fresh like all of his recent wins have come off like 100 plus days off like his Chester one Chester win was first time this season his best runs previously have been off long breaks so he hasn't really backed up yet but I think it's a weak enough race that he should be able to here um, and hopefully it's a stepping stone onto the uh, champion stayers for him so yeah Hamish around six to four I just think he'll end up being too good for these despite uh, despite the penalty Fair enough. I, I quite like the other one who's a bit of a sea of blue. Um, you've obviously touched on on the ones not running. Um, I like Get Shirty for this. Um, progressed really well this season. Improved from kind of a 90-rated handicapper into a horse well worthy of contesting these group races. Um, won twice earlier this season at kind of lesser tracks of Thirsk and Hamilton, but then on the Copper Horse handicap at Royal Ascot over a mile and six. Followed up in the old Newton Cup um, of a mark of 105 over this trip and then finished fifth in the e-ball given a bit of a weird ride um, decided to hold him up that day which 
didn't really suit him. Um, he found two mile too too far in the in the Doncaster Cup last time, so I'd give him a kind of an excuse for that. This dropping trip will obviously suit back down to kind of the mile and a half trip. Um, and yeah, at the minute you can still get three places anti post on the race, and I think is a good anti post. Um, each way better around eight to one. So get shirty for me, Tom. Who for you? Yeah, I, I thought this was a race to have kind of a, a more left field selection, to be honest. Like, obviously, Secret State's not running. He's two to one. Um, Hamish, I'd, I'd be quite keen to take him on. Uh, he is the best horse in the race, but like Rye touched upon, like he just doesn't seem to back up from run to run. Like he, his best performances have all been fresh, and you look at his form. He, he's only actually had like three runs without a break, and that was. Um, he won, I can't remember what race it won, uh, what race he won, sorry. It wasn't Chester, I know that much. I think it was the September stakes, wasn't it? And then he went to Ascot and he disappointed. And then he went back to Kempton and he was disappointing. And for, for me, he's run twice at Ascot and he's run about kind of between five and ten pounds below his best both times he's been there as well. So a combination of him maybe not being at his best at Ascot and certainly being at his best or not being at his best when he's had a run. Yeah, I'd say there's enough there to take him on for me. Like, get shirty. I know he's had a productive season handicapping, but I think that's what he is, a handicapper. So I, I ended up on um, Candleford, who probably is a handicapper as well. But when you look back at his Royal Ascot handicap win, he looked absolutely like fantastic, didn't he? He went to Ebor favourite or second favourite anti-post behind her left Tyrone. He ended up going off favourite for a new market handicap over one mile six, but didn't really land a blow. And it was similar in the Ebor next time. But I, I just really liked his one last time at um, Newmarket in that Godolphin Stakes. Like, I know he came fourth of six, but he travelled really sweetly. Like, pick him up three furlongs out, you wouldn't have thought he was going to come fifth. You, you were kind of wondering how far, but for whatever reason, he just couldn't sustain his run. He faded a little bit. Like, I thought it was a big step back in the right direction after two below-par runs over one mile six. Maybe he just didn't really stay those trips. But, um, yeah, he had a good run as a three-year-old here behind Chalkstream as well. That handicap win at Royal Ascot, like, he looked like he'd turn into a group horse there. He, he just seems to like Ascot. I, I think a return to Ascot could see him kind of take this step off in class. And at 14-1 to one in, in a race where I'd be quite happy taking on the favourites. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd just give Candleford a, a better chance than the price would suggest. It wouldn't be a strong opinion, though. OK, we're going to move on to the three o'clock, the Bengal Stakes, uh, Group 3 over 6 furlongs. Um, this, again, looks a, a good competitive race. Um, I'm willing to give a chance to Royal Acclaim in this. Um, based on our last couple of starts in Group Company, I think this step up from five furlongs to six furlongs will, will suit her, to be honest. She now looks kind of overpriced, at a double-figure price for a horse who was sent off five to two for a Nunthorpe. Um, she looked a really, really top-class prospect, obviously making it three from three in a career in the City Wall Stakes, and then kind of has slightly disappointed um, on her two starts. Obviously, got beaten in a Nunthorpe and then over in France last time, but it doesn't look the strongest renewal of this race um it looks competitive but it doesn't look the strongest renewal um and yeah i'm just willing at a double figure price to kind of take a chance on her she's obviously got got kind of really good um prospects 
Uh, still a three-year-old, could still be improving, even though she hasn't quite lived up to where we thought she might be. Um, yeah, if this improvement kind of comes over six furlongs, I, I do think she's overpriced at a double-figure price. So Royal Acclaim for me. Uh, Tom, who for you? Yeah, I found it really difficult to narrow this one down, to be honest. But, I mean, like, again, you look at um, you look at Alsa Hill being jogged up for Charlie Appleby and Creative Force isn't, so you'd have to assume that Creative Force isn't going to run. And, again, I don't think the market's really kind of fully reacted to that yet. And with that in mind, there's a good few that's overpriced. I'll do this kind of in reverse from... Um, from the ones I'm least likely to invest. Uh, the first one would be Flame and Rib. Um, I, I'm not going to go into him too much because I seem to mention him every other Saturday whenever he runs, but he just seems constantly overpriced despite kind of keeps running this big races. Like you won't see many horses that have come second in a Commonwealth Cup down the field in the July Cup, but then fourth in a Sprint Cup and yet be eight to one for a Group Three back at Oscott. Uh, he's going to come good one day. Whether it's going to be Saturday, who knows? But I, I don't think I'd play him personally because I, I'd not be keen on backing eight to one each way when there's a couple of others that I like, and I don't think he's the type where I'd want to back and win only. So uh, I can see him being overpriced. I think he'll go off about five to one on the day, but he, he might just find another one too good. Um, so the two that I probably will bet, um, Connor Beasley, he's probably had the choice of the to improve and Michael Dodd's sprinters but I, I think he might pick the wrong one here uh, I think um, I'd rather be with Gale Force Maya than Comanche Falls uh, I think she'll quite like a test like Ascot I know she loves York which you usually kind of associate with your more speedy horses but she's not like she's. I mean I don't want to say she's not fast because she is but she's not like your typical York horse you tend to associate with like your L astronauts your Dakota Golds Winter Power that kind of horse who Ping gates and just go out from the front and just like win through pure speed. But for all that, Gail Force Meyer is relatively like prominent in her races. That's not her style. She kind of seems to grind it out a little bit from the front rather than have an out and out speed. And she, she can take a lead as well. Like she can sit second or third and then out battle or more from the front, staying on quite well. She's one of like stiff tracks like Ponty and Newmarket as well. So she's not just kind of a York specialist either. For all she has got a fair few wins there. But I mean, just looking at the prices, how many times are you going to get 14 to 1 about a horse that's won five times this season? And it's not like she's been winning Mickey Mouse races either. She's won like handicaps off 98, 99, and 104. And then she's won two listed races as well. As well, even if I know one of them was only a Phillies race last time at air, but she still did it under a penalty over a trip short of the best. So she's like really in form. I think she's going to kind of quite appreciate the stiff Ascot test. To be honest, I thought fourteen to one was quite quite insulting. To be honest, especially given the form she's in. Um, but the one that I really did like, um, the best bet of them all, especially at the prices, would be Vadrine. I just cannot believe she's 20 to 1. I know um, it's a classic uh, ride. We were talking about this the other day. It's a, it's a weekend for horses that won the race last year. To be honest, when I was looking through a form, I completely forgot that she won this race last year. But when you look at a current form of 6 0 0 2 0, it's not really inspiring. But I mean, a second to Sam Maximus last time, that was really unlucky. And he ran well behind our power last weekend at the Curra. 
you, you look at some of the runs, like look to forgive them. And our last run was in the Air Gold Cup. Like I'd always be happy to forgive a filly, a poor run off a really high handicap mark. I think she was off one or five, wasn't she? That I'd be happy forgiving that. You look at her ascot form, though, it's absolutely excellent. Like she was third in the jersey as a three year old, won this last year, and then went on to be fifth in a champion sprint. Her only other run was one of the duck eggs that she's got in the Platinum Jubilee. But you look at that race and she was just completely the wrong side, wasn't she? Like naval power put in, in in hindsight, it was a massive freak performance from that side. He was the only horse in the top 13 that raced up the near side. Like the rest of them in that near side finished 14th and downwards. And like the last five home were all from that near side despite there just being nine runners on that near side so I'd be happy enough ignoring that anyway based on the fact she was on the wrong side and she also seems better on not necessarily slow ground but just not quick ground and it was really quick at Ascot wasn't it so I, I also think looking at the way the kind of the race is going to pan out as well she's much better when there's a strong pace to aim at like the, the looks like there's going to be a bit of pace you've got Flame and Rib and Gale Force Maya there can both sit fairly handy and force the pace if they need to and you look at Alsa Hale Jesus he's just incontrollable as a horse sometimes he's that keen so he's probably going to bomb off out in front and then you've got Princess Shabnam as well she's got loads of early speeds I think it could be a really strongly run affair and despite her being kind of the biggest of the three that I like she's definitely um She'd definitely be the best bet, especially at 20 to 1. So, um, yeah, Vad Dream, definitely a bet at 20 to 1. Gail Fossmeyer, probably at 14s. I'll probably leave Flaming Rib, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ran well. Fair enough. Fair enough. I need to take note of them for Tom. Right, have you? Yeah, this was a race I had sort of uh, less of an opinion in um, than Tom. I just like the angle with. Uh, the Michael Dodds runners, he's got a really good record on the two sprints on this card, the the Roos and the Bengoff stakes. Like Dakota Gold won the Roos in, in 2019, won the Bengoff in 2020, and then was third in the Roos again in 2021. An intense romance, um, won the Bengoff uh, in 2018. So he, so three years running, he won, uh, won one of the two sprints on the card. Um, and obviously Comanche Falls, same owners as Dakota Gold. So, um, yeah, obviously he's not, Comanche Falls he's not actually ran in sort of any group races um, he's been handicapping for his last sort of 15 20 runs or so but um, we all know that sort of very, at the very very top end that there's not much margin between the top end handicappers and, and the group sprinters if at all like quite often you'll see handicappers go and win group races uh, and especially on his last few runs it's hard to argue that he, he doesn't deserve a crack at group company like he obviously won the Stewards Cup again off a of 103, and then he's, he's been twice behind Summergand um, at York, and then the Air Gold Cup off marks of 109. If, if you're nearly winning big handicaps of 109, you're pretty much a group horse. Um, as well, there's plenty of Ranger as well, and, he, and he's completely fine on soft ground as well, which I think, if you are backing from an anti-post perspective, uh, there's an absolute bucket load of Ranger all day on Friday, so... Um, it's good at the moment, but there's rain due on Thursday. There's absolutely loads of rain due all sort of Friday afternoon, Friday night. So it could be really soft and testing come Saturday. And so if, if you're back in a horse anti-post, you, you probably want one that will handle soft ground and, and Comanche Falls does. Um, so, yeah, Connor Beasley's obviously had the choice. As Tom said, he's, he thinks he shows him wrong. Um, like, I, I'd, I'd agree that there's not much between them at all, you know, 
either of them would be great rides, but um, obviously Connections have probably had an eye on the race, given that um, Dakota Gold had, had been so good in this race and on this card for them um, in the previous few years. So yeah, Comanche Falls would be the one for me, but not a, a massively strong selection. Yeah, currently best price at 7-1. to one. The last race we'll preview in full is the 3.36, the Challenge Cup handicap over seven furlongs. Uh, form from last year's race uh, is evident in this. Uh, you've got last year's 2-3, uh, symbolising fresh towards the top of the market. Tom, are you using that old tactic again? We're looking elsewhere. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. Like Usually these races are a proper like bit of me, like the, the thought, the ones that I love to try and get my head round, but... I thought this was kind of really hard like usually I can find like a couple that I liked but th- there was none that I was really dead solid on like you look at those at the head of the market like River Nymph he- he's fairly obvious he's been in and out of form but he's he's just got that solid Ascot record like he's won a Victoria Cup off 100 and he's been 30 or off this mark of 102 twice since but I, I do worry that he, he might just need that extra pound or two off to kind of stop him finding one or two well handicapped. Like, symbolise, he's a horse that I've got a lot of time for. It wouldn't surprise me if he did win, but, I mean, he's only won one race since his debut, and that was a three-runner conditions race where the other two slit each other's throats out in front. So I can kind of pass him by. Ever give then he's a horse who I know he's off the high enough mark of 106, but he could win one of these big handicaps. But I think I'd prefer him at an easier seven furlongs. So the one that I eventually landed on was Boardman for Tim Easterby. Now I know he's off like a career high mark of 100, but I've always kind of been a little surprised at their reluctance to run him in these big Ascot handicaps. I've always kind of wondered if they kept him up north for a reason, shall we say, thinking that those kind of Thursk and Haydock class twos, those kind of things were more his level, if you like. But I mean, his last two starts, that I won't touch that much up on the ripping race because it's probably not that good in context of this race but that Haydock race last week that was like if that was a kind of class two that Ascot one of these heritage handicaps I don't think he'd have batted an eyelid really it was really really competitive and I didn't really realise at the time how much like the trouble that he hit impacted him I, I was mainly watching Young Fire because I backed him I thought he was unlucky but when, when I watched it back like Boardman he doesn't seem to hit as much trouble as Young fighter does, but I, I, I thought that it kind of halted his momentum a little bit more, if you know what I mean. Like, Young Fire hit a bit of trouble, but he was able to kind of weave out of it without having to fully stop riding. Whereas um, David Allen, he just hit that little wall and he had to proper stop, take a pull, try and come out like down the outside. And by the time he got going again, the race was already over. I don't, I'm not saying he would have won, but he was only beaten like a length and a half in the end and he was closing. He, he definitely have gone very close. And I think the fact that we now know that he definitely stays a mile as well tells me that a stiff seven at Ascot should be absolutely fine. He's just one of those horses who, like, when he gets in form, he tends to stay in form until the handicapper has a firm grip of him. Like, I, I thought he'd hit that mark earlier in the season when he had a couple of kind of negative runs, and I thought the step up to a mile was their way of getting him down, but he ended up running really well at Ripon and then really well in this in that Haydock race last weekend. Now that he's back in form, he's one of those horses, like I say, he, he could just spring up, spring a surprise, and 
even if he might not be good enough to win at 20 to 1 you don't mind kind of playing for a place when you're going to get kind of five or six so yeah I was a little bit surprised at how big he was given that he's relatively consistent when he's in form so again wouldn't be my strongest opinion of the weekend but I was a little bit surprised that Boardman was available at 20s okay right who'd you like for the challenge cup Yeah, I really, really like one here. Um, probably a little bit of an essay, but Tom, Tom did touch, touch and it symbolised. Um, I think he could go off half the price he currently is. You can get eight to one, but mainly seven to one. But I think he he could be going off three to one. Um, I think conditions are going to be absolutely perfect for him, and as long as he sort of gets a decent enough draw around some pace, um, I actually think he's going to be pretty hard to beat. And I've, I've backed him here, and I've also backed him at twenty-five to one for the Balmoral to do the double. Um, you go through all of his form, like last year he was 7th of 28 in the Buckingham at Royal Ascot off a mark of 102. Um, you look at the form of that race, like the 5th, Aldari um, is now £12 higher. The 2nd, Danyar is now £10 higher. The 1st, Highfield Princess was 92. She's now like 120 odd. Um, and symbolised was just, he was drawn 5, he was just drawn on the complete wrong side of the track. All 20 and 30 drawn horses were sort of in the top 10, apart from two. Uh, one of them was Symbolise and Five, and, and Tom would know the other one quite well because it was Raising Sand, um, who was drawn three. And yeah, Raising Sand won that side of the group and Symbolise was second. So he was rather unlucky to be drawn on the wrong side of the track there. He went to the Challenge Cup last year um, and was second in this off 102, which he is again this year. Um, and again, you look at the form like... The first horse was Aldari of 103. Um, he came out and won the Balmoral and then came out and won a listed race, and he's now 117. Now, the pair of them pulled seven lengths clear of the rest of the field. So I know it's easy to say this, but like if Aldari wasn't in the race, um, you know, you're looking at a horse that's won the race by seven lengths off 102, and he's now back this year off 102. Um, like it was just unlucky that he just bumped into Aldari um, but even if you go back through the field like accidental angel accidental agent um, I think he's off the same mark this year and he was back in like fifth fresh back in third was off 98 but he's won a couple this season so he's higher off 103 so a couple of horses in behind are higher off the same marks um, he went to the obviously the Balmoral after and was second again to Aldari so again, another unlucky one. Back in third was Magical Morning, who came out and won a handicap this season off a higher mark. So again, the form's working out well. That was all on soft ground as well. Like he's a horse who, who's probably reliant on soft ground now. Um, he's come out this season. Conditions race at Thirsk, first one of the season. He was he was a length off move to Sarbeck off level weights. He he's a Group Two winner since now at 116. Um, he was like 105 at the time or something like that. Went off 9-1 for the Royal Hunt Cup this year off mark of 104. Um, but it was fast ground and he basically just hated the ground. Like, trainer came out, Balding came out for the race and just said, once it's soft, he just didn't go a yard on, on the fast ground. But all of his form the previous season was on soft ground, like all these good handicap runs in the Balmoral and the Challenge Cup. They were all on soft and heavy. Came out after that, a, a messy three-runner, thirst conditions race again, where he was second to finally sound. He's since finished a close second in a Group 2, went over to Woodbine and placed in a Group 1, now rated 113, and he was off level weights with him. Then, uh, last time out, back into Handicap Company for Symbolise, finally gets soft ground again. Um, it's over a mile at St. Ledger meeting, and he finished 6 of 19, and he was just so, so eye-catching. Um, 
was just never really asked for like maximum effort. And I just think it's a stepping stone for for this Ascot double. Like he was second in both races in, in this race in the Balmoral last year. Um, he's, he's been very, very lightly raced this year, uh, waiting for soft ground, which again, he's going to get. Um, there's absolutely loads and loads of rain due on Friday, like loads so uh, for a couple of hours. So he's going to get his ground, and yeah, I just think the more rain falls, like he, he's good on heavy ground. So the more rain that falls is just a bet for him because it'll blunt a couple of the other horses out. And yeah, like like you mentioned at the start, Steve, he's a horse with brilliant Ascot form, second in the Balmoral, second in the Challenge Cup, seventh of twenty eight in the Buckingham when he was drawn on the wrong side, which was a really good run. It's working out form wise. Um, so yeah, he loves Ascot, loves soft ground. He's off the same mark as he was last year when he was bumped into a group horse in Aldari, but finished seven lengths clear the rest of the field. So, yeah, symbolised one of my most confident selections of the week. And uh, take the eight to one, I think. He could it got the potential of going off four to one, seven to two kind of price. Um, because I think he's just one of them that's been set up for the race. Um, and then obviously if he wins this, he's going to go, if he won, he'd probably go near favourite for the bomb model. So I'm taking a bit of the 25s on there as well. I see. Um, the max field for this race is 18. Um, I went through it. I, I quite liked In The Park, um, who's obviously towards the bottom, I think, off the top of my head, like number 29. Um, but looking through on the BHA at 16 above him, I jocked up. So has a, a chance of getting into this. Um, again, is another with good Ascot form, two from two at Ascot before his seventh place finish behind Fresh last time over this course and distance. Now, on the face of it, you'd think finishing seventh is obviously disappointing. It was only beaten a length and a half at the finish. Like, the handicapper would have loved that race. They're all finished in a bunch. Um, he's been dropped a pound for that run, which I think is quite generous, seeing as he was only beaten just over a length. Um, hopefully, he gets a run. He's around 12 to 1. Um, yeah, Inver Park, proven Ascot form. I thought he was quite big at around 12 to 1 for this. Uh, right, we'll go to the lads for anything else. Uh, Tom, I'll come to you for anything else over the weekend. Yeah, I've actually got a few for a change. Um, first one is from Newmarket in the last five or two. Um, I'm not sure what price it'll be because it's a, not a race that's priced up. And you've got to be very, very careful with the pronunciation. Um, I had Nigua putting up a relatively kind of decent time figure for the grade at Ripon last time. The form's working out pretty well as well. And um, like Mahab of the champ, he won off 84 earlier in the week. I, I know he was given Negro five pounds. He probably would have won if he hadn't been carried across the track as well. But it, it's still like a decent level of form. And even the third one of Beverly Novice next time before running a decent race for five length third, trying to give the best part of a stone to an 80 rated horse back at Ripon. So I thought that was a, that was a kind of decent little race that she ran in probably well handicapped off 81 and uh, she might end up getting a Jamie Spencer special but looking at the race like nothing against Ed Bethel I really rate him as a trainer um, but there's a few like Haggis, Oppenheimer, Horses etc, Rafe Beckett's got one things like that um, so she might actually be a decent little price on the day uh, I'd want maybe kind of 8 to 1 and above to be backing her and um, just a rough kind of figure I I'm hoping she's not like putting towards the top of the market but um, yeah she'll be one to keep an eye on um, on Saturday I won't go into full detail but I think there's a dirty little treble to be had um, I, I think the Revenant in the pre-Daniel Wildenstein 
He's five to two. Cela Rossa in the um, the pre Royal year, and Anne Mark for the pre dollar. I think that's about forty four to one for the treble. That they're all kind of around that five to two, three to one price. I, I don't think I'll be backing them all as singles, but I, I think it's a decent little kind of interest treble if you like. I know it seems really muggy given the role at the head of the market, but I do think they've all got pretty good chances. Like Anmar really should be winning that pre-dollar on his best form. Cela Rosa, it's a really bad pre-royal year. You, you could maybe make she'd be the one that I'd make the biggest case for a single on, because um, at least like. The Revenant's got to be Erevan, for example. But um, yeah, I, I thought every now and then you've got to chuck a muggy treble in, don't you? So um, that would be one on Saturday. For me, um, on the Sunday, um, there were a couple in the Abbey. I, I mean, I'd really want to have a look at the draw first, to be honest. Um, you don't really want to be out high in the Abbey because you're in the car park, essentially. Well, they're all in the car park in a way, but um, you're even more in the car park if you're drawn high. But um, I've backed a case of you on his last two starts and he's been fucked by the draw both times. Um, but the fact that his form is kind of 0-0 zero, zero probably means he's going to be overlooked. Like He's 11-1 to one at the minute. I was hoping he'd be a little bit more overlooked, like maybe around the 14, 16s mark. But the more I looked at the race, it, it looks a fairly weak race on paper. Like You'd like to think not many of them are good enough to win it. So I, I kind of came to the conclusion that 11-1 to 1 was actually still a decent price for all he appears out of form. But like I say, at Royal Ascot, maybe quick ground. The ground was just way too quick for him. And last time out, the race developed up the sand side of the curve and he was on the far side. Um, and I'd maybe give Castle Star half a chance at a big price as well. He's 25 to 1 at the minute. Like he's got form on heavy ground as a two year old. And it, he ran in the flying five as well behind Highfield Princess. He was quite unlucky not to finish close. So I think he finished seventh in the end. Like I, I'm not saying he would have won it or anything like that, but he might have finished third or fourth. He got squeezed out at a proper key time when travelling really well and it cost him a fair bit of momentum. The, there weren't that many that I thought had kind of form on the ground like you look at the market the platinum queen she she's going to have the speed but is she going to have the speed on this kind of ground I'm not sure then you've got your two french horses um benoit and Cur de la pierre they're both like sixes and eights and they just seem to always come up short against genuine group one horses so i thought there was kind of a fair bit of value in that if you uh, if you found something you liked and i mean given a case of you won the race last year uh, um, you know he's up to it, but he's, he's not just got that kind of one piece of Group 1 form, if you know what I mean. He, he won out in Maidan, he won that Group 1, the Alcors. He, he, he is a genuine Group 1 horse, and there aren't many of them in this field. So when you're getting double figures about a genuine Group 1 horse in this, you've you just got to hope he's drawn well. And then uh, last but not least, in the uh, Marcel Busek Marcel Boussac, sorry, on Sunday. I think Kalina is going to be all the rage, but for all she was visually impressive, the time wasn't that great. And like you look at the Colts equivalent on that same day, that was nearly a full two seconds quicker. So I think she's going to be a massive overbet horse. And um, I, I really like Never Ending Story. I think she's one of the bets of the weekend at the price. Um, she she should be shorter than Colleen, and that's for sure. And she's currently like half a point bigger. There's not many books up though, which is the issue. But you look at running the Moyglare last time, and you would say, oh, she's been stuffed eight lengths. But my God, she was given an absolute fucking stinker by Wayne Lawton. Like watch it back. 
most people won't have seen it. I was I kind of backed us, so I was fuming at the time. But mo- most people won't have seen it because Tahira and Meditate just kind of scooted clear. But she travelled just as well as Tahira for a long, long way. She went up for a run up the middle immediately, but that was kind of blocked. So then she had to switch out and she was just going to follow Tahira down the outside because there wasn't really enough of a gap to kind of squeeze between Tahira and the other horse. So I think Wayne Lorden was planning on just following her kind of down and maybe trying to pick up third, I guess. I don't think she'd have beat Tahira. I'm not saying she would have even beat Meditate, to be honest, but... You look at what happened like when she tried to track Tahira down the outside, the Moigler horse, the Jessie's that came third in the end, I forgot the name, but she proper cut her up and she was really lucky, never-ending story, was really lucky not to come down, to be honest. It must have cost her like at least four lengths momentum, maybe even a bit more. And then she ran on really well under like absolutely no pressure whatsoever for fourth. Like just watch the race back. She for me, she was dead eye catching to say she was beat eight lengths. But she's by Dabawi out of Athena, who was a, a mile and a quarter Philly, maybe even a mile and a half. Obviously, Dabawi's tend to be at the best over kind of ten furlongs. Um as a kind of three year old, so a mile as a two year old's gonna be absolutely no problem. But if she just ran on like under a normal ride to be safe, kind of I don't know, three lengths behind Tahira, two lengths behind Meditate, whatever it was. What price would she be for this? She'd be about two to one, seven to four, wouldn't she? And instead, because she got caught up, she's four to one. So, yeah, you might even get bigger when the other firms go up. I think there's only Sky, but firm paddy up at the minute. And like I say, Kalina is probably going to be kind of the, the trendy Twitter horse, if you like. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping for a bigger price on Neverending Story, but she, she'd be one of my bets of the weekend in the Marcel Busek. And uh, that's all for me. Excellent. Nice long list then from Tom. Uh, Rye, I'm sure you've got plenty for anything else. Yeah, um, I have got <laughs> I've got one at Fockwell and one at Utoxeter. I'll just get through them quickly. Before I beat off. Get fucked. <laughs> before getting back to the flat. Um Hurricane Vici has entered in like maiden hurdles at, at Utox from Fontwell. Um, really impressive bumper winner for Milton Harris last year. And um, the dam is uh, a full, full sister to Hurricane Fly. And who's my jockey? Obviously, Hurricane Fly multiple group one winner for Willie Mullins. And who's my jockey at 140 hurdler? So um, he should make up as a nice novice. And then I chase what I'm really, really looking forward to in the 253 at Utox. It's usually a really good. Uh, novice chase that I think Bristol Demai made uh, his chase debut there and a couple it's usually a, a good starting point for a couple of good novices and Chris Gordon sending Akon Risker there who was four to five uh, four from five in novice hurdles last year only defeat came in the, the grade one at Aintree when he was fourth behind John Bond and Al Fabio um, won a group two at Kempton last year and he he's a really strong headstrong front runner who had loads of experience from point to point so he should have no problem um, winning a couple of chases and I think he could nick an early sort of grade two chase around Kempton or something because I think he can be one of these that balls off in front and um, usually Chris Gordon's really good at getting his novices jumping well but uh, yeah back to the flat and the, the French action um, I agree I think the Revenant can get his hat trick in the the pre-Daniel Wildenstein in the 435 at um, he's obviously finished first first second in the race last year was second a short head to, to real world um, who's obviously um, been boosting the form this year with finishing second to Baid, and you can argue that he's probably in better form this season. Like last year, 
he just wasn't in great form all year. He finished third and fourth and listed in group races in St. Clue at the start of the season. Um, this year, he won both of them quite impressively. He had his usual summer off because he just doesn't go on, on the ground. So he had 155 days off behind. Um, really, I catch him third. Sort of held up last, say, staying on hands and heels in the Mulan. And um, yeah, obviously, this has been his aim all season. So uh, yeah, I think... I think he he should just just to be about favourite and he's around five to two, um, and then one of my really really confident ones. Uh, I think you can just still about get five to four or eleven to ten, but I think he'll go off odds on and that's Duke de Caesar. Um, for Dermot Wild in the pre-Chardonnay, the twelve twenty three, um, stepping up to a mile seven should be absolutely no problem. I really fancy this horse in the in the Paddy Power over Irish Champions Weekend in the Group Group Three last time out. It's a race uh, Dermot Wild's absolutely formed over the years. I think he's won it like six times out of the last 12 years now. Um, and it was Duke de Sazer's first time going up to a mile and four. Like, as a two-year-old, he won over a mile and one. So it was a surprise to me that they took so long stepping him up and trip. But, um, yeah, after I think he was, like, disappointed in a derby trial at the start of the year of a mile and two, and they decided to drop him down to a mile, and he was just hopelessly outpaced. But they gave him a break, stepped him up to a mile and four, and again, he was a bit outpaced, but really rallied in the last half of furlong to to chin um, the horse in the same colours as him, just a whisker on the line, and yeah, the, the step up and drip should be absolutely no issue with him. Um, the damn dark crusader for these owners was a multiple one mile six winner, won the mile rose at York on very soft ground. By Luke de Vega, who's a soft ground sire, and obviously um, his two most impressive performances so far have been on soft ground due to Caesar. So he, he'll have no issues with the soft ground, and um, yeah, he should rally to step up and trip uh, even further. So yeah, he's he's around 11 to 10, and I, I just think he's a bit of a banker, to be honest. So st- stick him in a double with um, the Revenant. And um, yeah, I had, uh, I won't go over it again, but I, I did note down uh, Never Ending Story in the Marcel Boussac which Tom has been through. Um, so, yeah. Excellent. Right, we'll move on to naps of the weekend. Uh, Tom, I'll come back to you for your nap. Uh, I'll, I'll probably go never-ending story at 4-1 to one in the uh, in the Marcel Boussac on Sunday, but it was a closer thing between that and Bad Dream at 20s in the Bengal Stakes, so I think it's an absolutely belting each way. Okay. Rye, your nap? Yeah, if you want just a winner, um, Duke de Caesar in the pre Chardonnay, but uh, symbolising the Challenge Cup, it's eight to one. Okay, and I'm going for the solid one, uh, Sun Chariot Stakes, Saffron Beach at six to four. Have you not got an each way one, so we can have a wind treble and an each way Trixie? <laughs> Steve has heart attacks. Anything four to one plus. <laughs> Yeah, which, which one did you say was a scummy each way bit earlier? <laughs> Luxembourg <laughs> in the arc. <laughs> um, it'd probably be Vidani in the in the arc, to be fair. Uh, I do think he's overpriced at a double figure price. Uh, thank you for listening to the On The Hub podcast. Uh, obviously, hopefully, we've provided you plenty of winners. Rye will soon start on at me to start talking about jumps racing, so keep your eyes out on Twitter for that. That's bye from me, from Tom. TTFN and fuck font as well. <laughs> and from Ryan. Got the breeders cut before the jumps. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye and good luck. Cheers.